So, are we ready? I imagine each and every one of you heard that phrase this morning. Are you ready? And that meant to come to services, come to worship. But do we know that this series of lessons about being ready is being prepared to meet God in judgment? Are you ready to go to heaven? Do you want to go to heaven? There are some many things that, that come to mind when we think about being ready, but you know, sometimes people are not ready because they're not. They really don't want to live, I guess. Uh, Ephesians 5.14 says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Are we asleep? I like to use this verse, and I might, I might do it a little later on in the lesson when we start getting sleepy. Awake thou that sleepest. <laughs> Arise from the dead. Well, sometimes we as members of the church are asleep. There are those out there in the world that have never obeyed the gospel. They are asleep. They don't think it's important. Millions are asleep. They are just existing in this life and they're not really living. John 10.10 says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Many times this is taken out of context to to try to convince people to obey the gospel in the sense that, you know, if you obey the gospel, if you're a Christian, you're going to have everything's going to run smoothly. No, that's not what it's talking about. But we can have a more abundant life if we are Christians, and that's why our Lord came, so that there might be a way that we could reach heaven. By the grace of God, He sent His Son to die on the cross that I might have life and that I might have it more abundantly. I can have it now, not saying again that, that, that um, the difficulties of life are going to overlook me because as of yet they don't. They come every day just like they do to you, just like they do to all of us. But you know, when we're Christians, we're able to live an abundant life better than those that are non-Christians because... We know what's coming. We know that there's a better day. We know that we can trust in God. We know that He's going to take care of us no matter what happens to us. And so, yes, we have difficulties. We need to wake up and we need to start living. But you know, so many today are dead to the work of the Lord and they need to wake up. They need to be ready to every good work. need to get busy in the Lord's kingdom. I appreciate those that are listening today over the uh, uh, social media. I appreciate each and every one that's here, especially those that are visiting with us. I'm one that doesn't beat around the bush. I let things come as they may. I say them as the Bible says them, I believe. That's not saying that I don't love each and every person. I would not be a preacher of the gospel if I didn't love folks. I want people to go to heaven. But the way most people are trying to reach heaven today is not the way that God intended for it to be. We want to sit back and, as someone said that the, the television said, has ruined us. It's like we, we get in our easy chair or on our couch and we sit in front of the, the television and we say, feed me, feed me, entertain me. And that's the way it's become in the church today in many places. Oh, that's the preacher's job. That's the elder's job. That's their job. That's his job. That's her job. Feed me. 
No, we need to be ready to every good work. We need to wake up. We need to wake up to the fact that the Lord has a purpose for me. He wants me to do what I can do. He says that He's come that we might have life while we're asleep. You know, there are those today that are choked with sinful pleasures. And those that are choked with sinful pleasures, they're merely existing. They need to wake up and live. They are asleep. They don't know the joys of being a Christian. You hear people snidely remark sometimes to a Christian, what do y'all do for fun? We wake up in the morning and we know what we did last night. We know that we have done the will of the Lord. We've had a restful night's sleep. We don't toss and turn all night because of going out and losing the family's paycheck and gambling. We don't go out or we don't toss and turn all night because of the drinking and the carousing that we've done. We don't toss and turn all night because will my wife find out what I've done? Will my husband find out what I've done? Will my children know? You know, we, we have, have wakened, wakened from sleep. We have, have done, as the Lord says, we are having fun knowing that we are doing His will. But there are those that are still choked in sinful pleasures. First, first Peter, or first, Peter, first Timothy 5 verse 6 says, But she, liveth in pleasure, or she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Pleasures. I talked about pleasures this morning concerning Moses, and he made the choice to, to forego or did not want to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time, Hebrews 11, 24 and following, but he chose to suffer with the people of God. Am I ready to do the Lord's will? Am I ready to wake up and follow His will? Luke 8, 14 says, And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, bringing no fruit to perfection. You know, the, we, we often hear lessons concerning the different types of soil in Luke chapter 8. And, and this type of soil, it talks about the seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns choked it out. Well, we as Christians today live among the thorns. We live among the sinful pleasures that people want to enjoy day by day out there in this world. Well, don't let it choke you out. Don't let it pull you down. You don't have to be like them. You don't want to be like them. You want to go to heaven. And you can't go to heaven if you're enjoying, enjoying the pleasures of sin. So to enjoy the pleasures is to be dead. And what we have to do as Christians, we have to weed out the lesser things and allow the good and spiritual things to grow in our lives. How many times have we heard the account of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15? The prodigal son, he was not satisfied at home where everything was okay and all right. Everything was being taken care of. He wanted what was coming to him. And he went off into that, that far country and spent his goods on pleasures. What was the outcome of that? You know, he returned. The old father said this about the son. My son was dead and is alive. He knew that he was dead in the sinful pleasures. Sometimes there are those today that they're having a good time. They're living it up. They're hooping and hollering and doing what they want to do. Living in sin day by day. Well, we're dead while we're alive. 
dead spiritually speaking. The son decided he was going to wake up. He was going to return to his father's house. He decided he was going to wake up and live that more abundant life. He was going to do the Lord's work, and we need to wake up and realize that. All of those who have not obeyed the gospel, they're dead and they need to come alive in Christ. There are those, I'm sure, that are listening today over the social media that have not obeyed the gospel. I know that 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 might be a strange term to you. It's not to us. But to give you an example, I was 21 years old before I ever heard the term obey the gospel. Was I a Christian? In my own mind I was. But I never heard the term obey the gospel. So that tells me I need to have patience with folks. I need to recognize that there are those out there that have not obeyed the gospel. I hope you are listening and you will, we will search the Scriptures and see what you must do to obey the gospel. You will be told in this lesson what you must do to obey the gospel. Remember on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, there were those that heard their first lesson and about 3,000 obeyed the gospel. You only have to hear it once. Be honest with yourself. You know, there's a more abundant life out there and there's work to be done for the Lord's cause. Those that have never obeyed the gospel, those that have obeyed the gospel and that have wandered from Christ that are no longer faithful, that are, that are not involved in His work, they are dead in their trespasses and sins. You don't have to wait till Sunday morning or Sunday evening when we have preaching service in order to obey the gospel. You can obey the gospel any day of the week, any hour of the day, or any hour of the night. Because when you come to the truth and you realize the truth and you search for the truth and find it, that's when you need to obey the gospel. When we find things that are amiss in our lives, that's when we need to come back. We need to say you can count on me. Lord, here I am. Send me. I know that phrase is in the Scriptures many times or several times. Isaiah said in 55, uh, chapter 55, verse 3, Incline your ear and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. Now he's not uh, uh, advocating just hear the Word of God preached and your soul will be saved. Because we know the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about those that heard the Word and they, they did. And then He talked about those that heard the Word and did not. And of course, the one that did is the wise, and the one that did not is the foolish. So let us be wise. Let us wake up and live. Let us be ready to every good work. We read in Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus said to Satan, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. John 5.25 reads this way, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Brother V. E. Howard used to have a radio program for about 50 years. He says, Are you listening? Well, are we listening? Are we listening to what the Lord is telling us? Am I ready to every good work? Am I ready to wake up and live that more abundant life? We know that faith is essential to, life, to, to real life. Faith is essential in obedience to the gospel. But unbelievers are so cut off from real life that they are dead. They're merely existing. They're not alive in Christ. They may think that they're doing what's right, but they haven't obeyed the gospel. I love John 20, verses 30 and 31. 
Jesus said many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. We have the written word. These are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His, through His name. So are we alive? Have we wakened ourselves from sleep? Are we ready to, to, to every good work? Are we ready to do what God desires us? Well, a person must have faith, like I said. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Hebrews eleven six tells us, well, do I have that faith? I think that most people, at least in our nation, have that kind of faith. They believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But many to, to claim today to have faith, but they've never, here's that word again, never obeyed the gospel. The gospel, the good news, the, the, the saving news that can save us from sin, can save us in eternity, for eternity, can, that we can reach heaven. So those that claim to have faith but have not obeyed the gospel, they are dead spiritually. That's a sad fact. There was a time in each of our lives that we were dead spiritually. And when we recognized that we were dead spiritually, we rose up. And we responded to the Lord's invitation. I, I can see our Lord with outstretched hands in, in, in Matthew 11, uh, verse 28, when He's saying, Come unto Me. He wants all to come. And that's what each and every one of us as Christians today want people to come. I said in the, this morning's lesson, we're not interested in, in getting people told we're not interested in saying, ah, I was right and you were wrong. We want people to obey the gospel because that's what's going to save their souls. And then be involved in every good work. It's really sad in most congregations today, someone is assigned generally to go about and try to get teachers for new, the next quarter and so on and so forth, and you can't get volunteers. You know, it's been tried all kinds of ways. It's been announced that there's a sheet on the bulletin board that if you'll take a class for next quarter, go back there and sign up. And then you look at it and there's one or two signed up. And somebody has to go and beg and plead and, and get down on their knees and promise this and that uh, to get someone to teach the gospel, to teach, teach others what they must do to be saved, to teach them that there is a more abundant life in being a Christian, to teach them that they are to be ready to every good work. Am I ready? Am I ready? Another one of the lessons I guess is am I ready to preach or teach the gospel? And you know, Jesus had, had, are these things that are written that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Many today have faith, but they've not obeyed, like I said, and so they're dead spiritually, and, and James said it this way. In chapter 2, verse 17, he said, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. And then he says in verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Am I ready? Am I ready to do the work of the Lord? Repentance, of course, is necessary as well. We must uh, have that faith, but we have to repent of our sins. Luke 13, 3 says, I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Acts eleven eighteen says, When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified uh, God, saying that then God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. 
If you are, are one that truly repents, remember the Ethiopian eunuch in, in Acts chapter 8, he said to, uh, uh, to Philip, he said, Here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And he said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. That's important. All of our heart. Do we believe with all of our heart? Are we ready to repent of our sins? Are we ready to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Of course, the eunuch made that great confession when he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God's plan of salvation, faith, repentance, confession, and baptism. One must be baptized in order to wash away his sins. That great sermon in Acts chapter 2 was preached and, and they cried out in verse 37, Men and brethren, what shall we do? The answer coming from most religious of the religious world today would be, oh, nothing, you've already done that. You've acknowledged that Jesus is the Christ. You don't have to do anything else. But they were told to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's what washes our sins away. Baptism doesn't have anything to do with salvation. Don't you know that, preacher? Well, Acts 22.16, Ananias said to Saul, Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. Yes, it does. The Bible says so. I'll take what the Bible says all day long or what all the religious scholars will come up with that is contrary to what the Word of God says. And I believe you will too. Faith, repentance, confession, baptism for the remission of sins, to wash those sins away, to rise to walk that new life as is, as is uh, illustrated there in Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him in baptism, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead uh, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Christ died for our sins. He was buried in the grave. He rose from the grave. I die to sin. I'm buried in the watery grave of baptism. I rise to walk a new life. The same as Jesus did. You know, we need to understand that baptism is important. It's the final act that puts one into Christ. Galatians 3, 26 and 27 indicates that. We are baptized into Jesus Christ. That's how we get into. If you'll notice the other uh, scriptures, and well, I'll go through this. I remember one elder that did the invitation every Wednesday night at this congregation, and he always emphasized the plan of salvation. Everything said unto until you get to baptism, and it says into. That's how you get there, into Christ through baptism. Baptism is the new life which is in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If we haven't obeyed the gospel, we're dead in sin. But we can become alive in Christ by obedience to the gospel. Am I ready? Am I ready? every good work? Am I ready for that more abundant life? 
There are many members of the church. I just don't want to talk to those that have never obeyed the gospel. Although I, I, I want you to listen to this too. I want you to understand that there's a more abundant life in Christ Jesus and, and doing His work. Sometimes we fall away from Christ and we fail to live up to that more abundant life. Remember John 10.10, 10, the Scripture reading, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Is it difficult to teach and to preach and to ask someone uh, or invite someone to services? Is it difficult to ask someone if they want to study the Bible? Absolutely. Let me tell you something on myself. When we were in preaching school, we were, to, we were required to go out and knock some doors uh, for a certain period of time. Here's me. Here's my mind. I hope nobody's home. I was afraid. Now, here's me. I know somebody's in there, I'm thinking. I hear their television going. Why don't they come to the door? Knock again. Knock again. They still ignore you, but still keep knocking. Ask people to study the Bible. Many have told, have told the story today, the reason that we're not growing is that we're not asking. Well, we're supposed to be different. That's part of the, the putting on the armor of God, isn't it? Uh, that's part of the suffering. But we need to awake and arise from the dead, as Ephesians 5.14 says. We need to stop worrying and start living. In, in Matthew 6.22-34, Jesus talks about the uh, necessities of life. And He says in verse 34, that "...take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof." Well, so many worry about tomorrow. Now, there's a difference between worry and concern. You know, there's a great concern going across our nation with this uh, virus that seems to be taking uh, so many lives. Again, I don't want to get into politics. We don't know who's telling the truth and who's not. But the point is, we need to understand that we don't need to really worry about it. Be concerned. Take the precautions that we need to take. But if we should die, isn't that what we're in this for anyway? To die and go to heaven? And we worry about that. We need to stop worrying and start living. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Have you ever thought about this? I know we pray for the sick. And generally our, our wording is something like this. We pray for their improved health. They'll have a better measure of health or something along that way. Have we ever thought about this, that God do what's best for this person? Sometimes it's best for them to just go on and leave this life. They're suffering. Their family's suffering. They're not going to get better. I know we can't determine that, but we need to have the attitude of, you know, if, if they pass on, then that's the best. We need to stop worrying and start living. Cast our care upon Him. Uh, listen to what Paul said in Philippians 4.11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned... In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. He had to learn that. So 
So we need to learn to stop worrying and start living. We need to be content. We, we read in Hebrews 13:5, "Let your conversation or manner of life be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have, for He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee." He's on my side. If I'm on his, you know, as I know, as kids, we used to uh, uh, have sporting events of, of any kind, and a lot of times, you know, we would say, "Well, you're the captain of this team, and you're the captain of this team," and they begin to choose all, us from the the uh, lineup, so to speak, out there, and and most of the time, the same kids that that were last. Chosen, no, no one really wanted them. But let me tell you, the captain of our salvation wants us all. When you say, choose me, choose me. I want to be on your side. I want to be on your team. So we need to be content with the things that we have because he is with us. We need to put away fear and start living. Uh, Matthew ten twenty eight says, Fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear Him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's who we need to fear. You know, we have, um, have uh, things going on uh, throughout our world today, and sad to say that some have even said that some of our, our true Christian friends, our Christian brothers and sisters, have lost their lives in Afghanistan simply because they're Christians. It's coming. It's coming. Am I ready to suffer? Am I ready? Am I ready? But am I, the main point is, is I'm, am I ready to put away that fear and start living? You might take my body. You might kill me. But you're not going to kill my soul. I love Psalm 23. Most of us could probably quote it. But verse 4 says... Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. That's past verse 4. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord how long? Forever. Go ahead and kill my body. Again, we need to take precautions. They may come a time that they, as I said this morning, they may padlock those doors or burn down this building. Do we have a game plan? I talked with the men a while back and they kind of chuckled, but they said, you know, that's, that's real. I said, we need to have a game plan. If we come and the building's locked or surrounded by those with uh, automatic weapons, we need to get on the phone or just drive them in the parking lot and say, four or five or six. That meant that it's going to this person's house today. We're going to worship there. We need to think about those things today. If we are really going to be faithful to our Lord. But we need to recognize, as Psalm 23 says, He's with us. Let us not fear those that kill the body. Another thing about we in the church today, we need to stop murmuring and complaining. We need to start rejoicing and living. We're a child of the King. And I'm going to murmur and complain about something. Well, somebody didn't do this. Well, big deal. 
What is it you didn't do? I've heard people or, or seen people kind of walk by a piece of paper or something on the floor and they'll look at it like and get a foul look on their face like evidently who was supposed to clean the building didn't pick up that paper. Pick it up yourself. Make the church building look good. Make everything look good. I heard people, someone say one time that what we need to do is to pray like everything depends upon God and work like everything depends upon me. I heard someone else say that if we would stop worrying about who's going to get the recognition, then there'd be no stopping us. We'd go just, we'd fill up this building in, in less than a month's time. We'd fill up all the buildings for that matter. But we're worried about, am I going to get the credit? Stop murmuring and complaining. In, in 1 Corinthians 10, 10, it, it re, re, reverts back or, or, or rehashes what those individuals were doing, the, the children of Israel. It says, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. That's what murmuring and complaining will do to us. You know, sometimes when we murmur and complain, nobody knows it but us. It makes our lives miserable. We can't even stand ourselves, much less stand others, because all we do is murmur and complain. It's like someone said, I, I know some of us, like myself, don't have a, a face that, I, that looks like it's smiling and it's happy. But uh, somebody says... What's wrong with you? Nothing. Well, you need to inform your face. <laughs> you know, you need to smile. You need to let people know you're happy. Paul said this in Philippians 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And one of my favorites is verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's what I want. That's what you want. So we need to wake up and live. We need to be ready to every good work. We need to quit staring at the thorns and look at the roses. We need to see the glory side of a cloud. Oh, it's going to rain today, yes, and it's going to water the grass, the crops, the shrubs. That means more food for me. It's going to be cheaper in the stores. And, but yeah, oh, it's going to rain today. You know, we need to turn our problems over to God and start living. We need to stop our destructive thinking and begin to look, or to begin to think constructively. We need to look ahead. We need to plan. We need to live. That's what it's all about. I've heard of, of congregations that have built uh, new facilities and the elders would get up and they would, they would say something about the facilities that they ha have just completed and they would say something like this. And now we're planning to knock the walls out back here next and we're going to expand the parking lot over here. You know, we need to wake up and live. We need to wake up and be ready to every good work. If we didn't worry about who got the credit, there'd be no stopping us. Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, 
for they shall be filled. Are we hungering and thirsting after righteousness? Gospel meetings in many places are a thing of the past. They are no longer hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Many congregations have stopped meeting for Bible class. They've stopped meeting for, sun, for uh, Sunday evening worship and Wednesday. They only meet for one hour a week. They don't hunger and thirst after righteousness. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Wherefore, we know this is after the, the chapter, Hebrews 11, the Hebrews, the Hebrews chapter, the heroes chapter, where the heroes of faith are mentioned there and over and over again. And it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a, great a cloud, of, cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You know, the, he uses the, 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 uh, the term here, lay aside every weight. We've seen this with the Olympics that have just taken place. We see that some of their training, we see them before the race, they'll have ankle weights or something like that on their, their, their ankles and they'll be practicing and when they take those weights off, they can run faster, can't they? We need to set aside those weights. We need to set anything aside that is holding us back from being ready to every good work, to being able to wake up and to live. And remember what Jesus said to those that wanted that turned back in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. He says, no man. That includes me, includes you, includes everybody on the face of the earth. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I want to go to heaven, don't you? Yes, you do. I want everyone to go to heaven, but you have to obey the gospel. Remember through faith, repentance, confession, baptism for the remission of sins, be faithful unto God as long as we shall live and heaven can be ours. Let us wake up. Let us be ready to every good work. Let us wake up and live and do the Lord's work. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, you're encouraged to come as together we stand and sing.